Hello? Hello, am I right in thinking you have a podcast? That's right. And it's on the internet? They all are, yes. That's how podcasts work. Can you confirm the name of your podcast? It's the pe... Right, who is this? My name's Egbert. I'm calling from the Podcast Advisory Service. We're a company which offers disclaimers to internet audio programs which feature alcohol consumption, bad language or detailed inaccuracies in an otherwise factual context. We're very competitively priced... Uh, we're all covered for disclaimers, thanks. You know, it's very important to have a short burst at the start of your show warning listeners that the upcoming content may feature alcohol consumption, bad language or detailed inaccuracies in an otherwise factual context. I do know that, yes. That's why we've already got disclaimers in place for all of that. May I ask who your current disclaimer provider is? Well, if you've already got this number, you should know that already. I'm sorry, my records aren't clear. Where did you get this number? We're a company which offers disclaimers to internet... Where did you get this number? It was written under your podcast name. Where? On the wall in the second cubicle of the gent in the Buff Social Club, next to the toilet roll holder. <sighs> right. Do not call here again. Ken? on the CHIPS Police Drama Deconstruction Programme. So, Ponch Chips has been made entertainment officer for the California Police Constabulary and failing to book celebrities for a roller disco is now taking up more of his hours than actually fighting crime. Well, yes. Meanwhile, Larry Chips is picking up vulnerable young men from hospitals and inviting them to live at his flat for free, providing they don't tell a single soul about it. It's all above board. All the plot lines here. Lita, the hard-faced femme fatale, has got a crew going with two blokes and they're all on roller skates, robbing folks' wallets. But, th <laughs> but then, but then, she's got the brass neck to complain that that's not pain enough. You know, uh -huh. as if skates would make an adequate getaway device for a bank job. Mind, <laughs> mind you, she invents Heelys in this, so... Now, Mark... He's only ten, but he's already a fully qualified little shit. He's belting around on eight hey. wheels and eyeing up criminals to get ideas. Meanwhile, Ponch spends fucking days trying to pull Mark's older sister. She's not asked. We see Carlin's converted his old Cortina into something out of Mad Max. That apparently makes other cars swerve off the road because no one in California has seen two sparklers in daylight before, mind. <laughs> So either Rockstar Jimmy has been having it off with his manager and this is their breakup story, or Jimmy's got a sideline dealing coke when he's on tour and his manager's had no idea. It's probably both of these and yet neither are addressed by the script. How on earth is Punch supposed to organise a works do with all this going on? It's crackers, man. Hell on. And now, listen on Fortnite section packed and inside filled combination. Plus no evidence. Exit! Stage left! Are you all right? Hello and welcome to another bumper-packed episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here this week to sample some screen time that would normally be seen of a Saturday. Yes, hello you. Thank you for dropping in for our casual cultural critique of vintage television, where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from our minds, because here all roads lead to the mountain, even on a Saturday. If you go over to PeggyMountPod.com, info for the episodes with discussions in the show notes there. You can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or ask us why we haven't covered the Emmerdale and Hammer House of Horror crossover episode yet. And before we fool precisely no one with a closely guarded list of famous and successful people we definitely know we're on speaking terms with, Dr Velvet, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Do you know, it's been a while. So, since it's been hotter than arse out there... Mm -hmm. uh, I've hit the soda stream. I've got busy with a fizzy. Nice. And I've produced a long, cool drink uh, of vodka, Bacardi and raspberryade. I've even added real raspberries from my garden. There you go. Beautiful. Yourself? I've got a bottle of White Horse IPA by the brewery of the same name in Oxfordshire. That sounds lovely. It really does. And on to our first viewing. And this was a wake-up call to the television format itself, not just its regular Saturday morning audience. It's Saturday morning, it's 
and it's the programme that first inspired me to speak in front of a microphone. The Multicoloured Swap Shop was the legendary Saturday morning entertainment extravaganza from the BBC, which ran from 1976 to 82 over yearly seasons and 146 episodes. Held by Noel Edmonds with assistance from Keith Chegwin, Maggie Philbin and John Craven, the show presented a mix of interviews, activities and demonstrations interspersed with music videos and cartoons of the era. Central to all of this was the phone-in feature, where the young audience would call the studio looking to swap possessions they no longer wanted for those they desired instead. We have watched the final ever episode, which went out on BBC One on Saturday the 27th of March 1982, where the cast and crew were either putting on a very brave face at the end of an era, or they could not care less. And I mean what I say, this is one of the reasons I'm sat in front of a microphone now. Yep, fair, fair. I loved this programme back in the day for so many different reasons. I was enchanted by the lights, the cameras, the cartoons, the presenters, the yeah. music, the features. Um, so, yeah, it is with a heavy heart that we watch this, as it's the last one, the 146th edition. And, do you know, to watch this in time to make some notes for this podcast, I did, in fact, watch it at 9.30 of a Saturday morning. Excellent. To get the vibe back. So, yeah. am I right in thinking this was the first show to really nail this format. Yeah, right, pretty okay. much. Because yeah. obviously, yeah, it's. I was a massive fan of Swap Shop as well. I've never quite been able to work out if that's just the first thing that like that that I saw back in the day. For slightly younger people, they might have the same feeling about um, Saturday Superstore, say, or Tiz was, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, th- there was the war going on. Uh, it continued. So you had Blue Peter or Magpie, and you were either a Swap Shopper or you were Tiz was. Yeah, that's fair enough. I was absolutely swap shop, even though I remember very little about this programme. Right. Okay. I, I don't know why. I used to love it. Um, mm-hmm. Even even at that young age, the idea of me phoning up strangers to swap my actual toys, that seemed like fucking anathema to me. You know, yeah, I'm just like, yeah. I'll just wait until Christmas and then I get to have both. <laughs> I think I was like a, a covetous collector from before I even left the maternity ward. <laughs> right. Yeah, I never got that part of it i mean i know that's the premise of the show uh, yeah, and it's yeah. a great it's a great gimmick um but um no nobody's having my stuff no i'll wait till christmas as you say we'll christmas go into this birthdays. later i will be intrigued to know how the mechanics of this actually worked because i don't think we ever found yeah. out no i don't think we did which is which is surprising because that's one of the more appealing parts of swap shop they opened the curtains they took you behind the scenes yeah and they would do that uh, on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. no- Noel could be walking down the corridor, and he'd say, "Oh, what are they doing here? Oh, look, they're rehearsing for Top of the Pops. Oh, they're rehearsing for Terry and June in there. Let's pop in and say hello." It was all going on. It happened, and they took you in. They got you involved, and I absolutely loved that as a six and seven year old. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you bring up our main man. I've got to ask: Was Edmonds cool at this point? Yes, very. Okay, because obviously he's a very broad target these days, which yeah, yeah, goes yeah. without saying. Back in the day, for me, he was up there with Jeffrey from Rainbow. He he was same here. He was he was rock star territory. But, but I don't know if that was again due to like our age, or if it was like a a collective feeling throughout all of the gen- sort of the generations above. I believe it was because this is off the back of him doing Radio One. Okay, uh, fair and he was still he's still doing Radio One roadshows, etc. He's he right, was right. yeah his star was rising and rising. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the show itself is what we've come to know as standard Saturday morning fair. This is what I mean. This show invented Saturday morning fair. It did. You it know, really did. That's that's yeah. fine. But yeah, Noel goes through what's coming up. He's um he's announcing Tom and Jerry and the Hair Bear yep. Bunch. Mm-hmm. Like cartoons aren't just lazy filler for Saturday mornings. Um, then he lists he lists them. He lists David Bellamy, Penelope Keith. Mm-hmm. Imagine, mm-hmm. imagine getting Penelope Keith on a kids program. Like, this is insane. Uh, yeah. B. A. Robertson, Delia Smith, and it, you know there's there's a good like long clip of each one when he's announcing them. Like this is all the features they've got for the next two and a half hours, and I'm thinking this is going to be hard work, isn't it? 
If, if yeah. you're spreading it thin here, Noel, go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they've really just thought, well, who are we going to get in? Well, who's free? I, sus- I suspect at this point, yeah, they're getting their mates on, which is absolutely fine, you know. Yeah, yeah, they are. They really are. Edmonds is effortless in his presenting style. He is, yes. Smooth. As smooth as Maggie Philbin's legs, which are clearly on show in that nautical creation that she's wearing. Good Lord. You know what? Yeah. I mean, even Noel mentions it, and I'm just like, who have you come as? God bless you. Uh-huh. uh-huh. There we go. <laughs> I like I like Philbin, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. Easy. Easy. So, anyway, Noel mentions cartoons that are coming up, and one of them is the Hair Bear Bunch. Yeah, I don't really have any memory of that show as a kid. I don't know why, because everyone else does. Um, watching the episode in here, the, the show, now I realise why. It's fucking dreadful. I love their cave. I love the cave that they lived in. This feels like you th- think you're buying a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, but you're getting out of Wish.com. Nah, I liked it. I didn't mind it. They had an invisible bike as well. I, um... Do you know what I mean? Imagine being like, we can't even be asked to animate the bike. <laughs> we don't have to buy it, mate. you just got to draw it. I know. I'm not doing it. It's invisible. <laughs> yeah. One of the first items on the show's menu is Noel goes straight to his trim phone. And there's a phone call because some people want to make a swap. They do, they do. And I love this bit. I used to, when I was a really young kid, I used to emulate Noel doing this. I okay. used to pick a, telefo- to pick a telephone up and I was writing on a pad and all the rest of it. I used to do that, yeah. Right. It. Um, yeah. And somebody, this this stood out, somebody um, has some size four ice skates with blade guards that yep. they want to swap for a world atlas. I know. I mean, that's a very specific thing, isn't it? Isn't it? Who's that going to suit? Someone with small feet who's sick to the back fucking teeth of geography. <laughs> right. Right. I'm not even sure. We'll get onto this. I'm not even sure why they're doing swaps on the last show. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, if it's working behind the scenes, if the mechanics of how this is... Ding, 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 yeah, 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 fine. You can still sort of make it happen. But he's there later and he's like, oh, right in for that. Right into what, Noel? You're not on next week. Exactly. I would have done, for this bit, I would have done a, a collective little segment where I'd set people out to film those who'd had successful swaps. And their yeah. reactions. I, I would have done get that. the impression they were told it was the last episode at about five past nine that morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's another quick lad after that. He's got a scale extra set. I mean, this is a set. This isn't like a car. This is a set. He even lists the cars uh, that are with the set. And Two he minis wants, and a BMW. And he wants, and I quote, anything to do with snooker. Fucking hell, mate, you're going to get a block of chalk. You've just read me mind. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly what I would do. This system is so open to abuse, it's not true. Verbal agreements. Can you imagine the disclaimers and the lawsuits if you try to try this shit today? Yes. It'll be off the charts. We're meeting all the old characters in this show, and we meet Posh Paws. Of course we do. I remember Posh Paws. I used to I love it. Posh Paws the dinosaur. So did so did I. And I don't know so why, because I'm looking at this and it's dog shit. It's, he's purple for a start, so he's mint. I want a posh pause. Listener, if you know where I can get a posh pause, let us know. But in my memory, it did a lot more than just moving its head up and down and making nah, a never. sound through the speaker. Never. Well, I'm gathering just never. St- <laughs> just by yeah. watching this and you're like, oh, <laughs> this is low rent, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I wanted, actually, was the Swap Shop goodie bag. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do have a swap shop mug at home. I also have, which they include in the goodie bag, I've got the single release of Brown Sauce. Nice. Um, I want to be a winner. Yeah, I've got that. I just want to be a winner. Just a little ask of me. See one, feel one, tell one. See one, feel one, Brown Sauce, that little band that they formed, Maggie Philbin and Chegwin on vocals and Edmonds on drums in... Yeah. Inverted, inverted commas. Uh, yeah, not a bad song. A staple of the Swap Shop diet, David Bellamy, bounds in. He yes. was always good. Yes. Always good. And he's a great example to kids for conservation. He is. He's so enthusiastic and optimistic. He fucking loves all of this. Doesn't he? Yeah. And very, very competent. Mm-hmm. He's very media savvy. He knows what he's doing. He's he's got it all there. He's an eccentric gentleman. And you, I, when I was a kid, I always used to think this this could go off. This this could go anywhere with this man. 
I always felt a bit nervous around it when he was on the telly. But um, no, he's fine. He's he's great. Yeah. Um, they, they they draw it out, so it's just as well he is good. Well, yes. Um, they really draw it out. Again, we've got and, over um, two and a half hours to fill here, so yes, you know, let him take right. his time. <laughs> that's, that's right. And then Noel, out, out of nowhere, jumps over the desk. Woo! Revealing. Yes, I'm glad you've got this the, as well. The, the, the stacked heels on them boot spines. It's it, it's effectively a patent leather high-heeled cowboy boot. It is. Paired with a battleship grey slack. The man yes. does not give a fuck. At all. Absolutely beautiful. They really are. You know at 9.15 that morning... Jenny from Wardrobe has walked into his dressing room going, now, Mr. Edmonds, I mean, he's like, I'm going on like this. Yeah. I'm wearing this today. It's the last show. There we have it. Now, fuck off. He um, throws himself over the desk to meet <laughs> Delia, of course. Delia Smith. I don't know if you picked up on this, but the nature of the conversation here is very mature, and it always was with Swap Shop. They never condescended to kids. Certainly in other episodes that I've watched before, featuring, for example, um cast members of popular shows at the time in particular Doctor Who cast members I've seen a lot of interviews on Swap Shop right. with the likes of Liz Slade and Tom yeah, Baker yeah. the line of questioning is very mature oh yeah I, mean, I don't know about condescending he certainly doesn't go out of his way to make it interesting um, no No. Noel Edmund says that he burned his mouth once on a hot biscuit that she made that's right cool story right. Noel <laughs> mind you know what God bless her, Delilah Smythe. She's like, oh, this morning I'm going to be making kipper patty. Is the woman a fucking psychopath? Kipper patty? Who's eating kipper patty at 9.30 on a Saturday morning? Well, or who's making it even? Well, we know who's eating it because we've seen the end of the show. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. It gathers dust, doesn't it? Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, to, to be fair, though, I am going to have a go at making that. So we cut over to um, John Craven. He's in the his Saturday morning news headlines. Yeah, good old The man craven. is constantly looking down at his papers because there's no auto cue and he hasn't had time to rehearse what he's going to nah. say. It's beautiful. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We were threat to, well, a double whammy of nostalgia here because we go to Reg Turnhill. Yes. Newsround's space editor. There's a name I've not heard in years. There is a... How's that for a job title? Seriously. Yeah, I, do you yes, know I've I mean? got that underlined. I've got that underlined. Newsround's <laughs> space editor. That, just that, in the early 80s, fucking amazing. You could just like walk into any bar and they'd just be lining up the drinks for you. That is amazing. I mean, to me, you look at that on paper, Newsround space editor. Does that mean if the office is too full, he moves a chair? <laughs> well, there is this. Right? But, no, he's... He can he can dine out on that title for years, can Reg Turnhill. Mind you, I tell you what, it's not all good news. And Reg, what's the general feeling at Mission Control? Has the shuttle got a real future now? Oh, yes, uh, they've done their biggest job. In spite of all the troubles, uh, <laughs> even the toilet went wrong again. What Reg means here is that everything in space is covered in shit. Get up! Up the walls! <laughs> it's, 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 floating, it's floating around, it's in their mouths, it's in their hair. Absolute carnage. They've they've now nicknamed it the Space Shittle. <laughs> oh. Anyway, on to more savoury items. The Rubik's World Championships are mentioned. There's a snapshot of an era. Yeah. Yeah, back, yeah it was exciting then, wasn't it? Was I that? thought our friend Nicholas Hammond was going to get a mention, like a name check in that, and he didn't. I'm sure he was yeah. there. But Anyway, we, we don't need to know too much about that because... And here's something... I couldn't believe it. I was literally agog at this. Craven gives the results of the Oxbridge boat race. Uh Glaringly obvious target demographic there, mind. It's the BBC, come on. (laughs) Isn't it? I know, I know. (laughs) Good Lord. But again, it's fine. They're trying to get kids interested in the grown-up stuff. Not in a condescending way. They're just like, you know, if if you want to be part of this society where a man... You could grow up to be like a fucking the space editor of Newsround, you're going to need to know about the boat race, so here we go. That's right. Then Edmunds, he's back with Delia. Yep. They, they, they and chat they f- again, and, and Edmunds says to her, do you remember when we were making that walnut cake and I turned the mixer on a bit too fast? I bet this man has a fucking hooted parties. Oh. <laughs> a raconteur in the BBC bar, him. Seriously. Edmunds here is hand-mashing kippers in an open bull. He is. 
yeah. this is the last episode because they're going to burn that studio to the ground rather than just have to clear up the mess and get rid of the smell. <laughs> then we had, um, well, B.A. Robertson makes his first appearance. Yeah, he's made what Noel describes as some special recordings for Swap Shop. Yes. Which apparently is like, it's like a music video, except it's visibly much, much cheaper. Yes. It's just people sat in a car that isn't moving. Yeah. However, they try to give us the impression that it is. Um, yeah, I think he's recorded three new songs for the programme. I mean, just for those that don't know, B.A. Robertson uh, composed the theme tune, the second version of the theme tune for Swap Shop. Yeah, and he, he also wrote the brown sauce, I Want to Be a Winner. Yep. Song. Oh, he's a cool guy. And he comes yeah. over as cool on this. I don't dislike him at all. He actually really does. And I've never watched an interview with him in before. And I was thoroughly entertained. Do you yeah. know that? But yeah, they're definitely getting their value for money out of having him in the studio on this particular Saturday. <laughs> That's right. According That's to right. This, the songs that he sings on this, he did put out as singles. So, you know, fair play. Um, we cut back over to the main desk. And why is Philbin taking a photo of Chegwin's arse? Yeah, it's a bit weird. She does, takes like a Polaroid photo of them from the front because I think they're going to sign that and send it off to someone who's like one one of the lucky dip things. That's cool. Then yeah, she just like walks round behind them and takes a photo of the back of their heads and you're like, okay. It's their arse. <laughs> she's taking a picture of their arse. <sighs> and then Noel just goes into some some stats uh, about the uh, the kind of interaction that they have from the public. This is mint. This is absolutely mint. He's asking Keith Chegwin, you know, oh, how many thousands of phone calls? How many phone calls do you think we've had over, like, the six, seven years that we've been on? It's good to see that not only has he not fed Keith the answers in advance, he hasn't even let him know what the fucking questions are going to be. Yeah. Chegwin has no fucking clue what's going on in this segment. He knows one answer at the end. That's all. Do you know what? They had their run of television centre on Saturday mornings, didn't they? God, didn't they? This programme is an absolute shambles and no one is in charge, even though Edmunds thinks he is. <laughs> and it, it, yet it comes together and it just flows along. Oh, yeah, you know, it never... The wheels never fall off. Nah. But you can tell that no one's steering. we got David Bellamy, kids phoning in to ask him questions. Mm-hmm. This entire segment is a kid going, have you ever seen this type of animal? Then they'll name an animal. And then Bellamy talks for four fucking minutes... Without hesitation, deviation, or repetition, tell the stories from his childhood rather than just saying, yeah, once. Did you watch David Bellamy's Backyard Safari? Probably. One thing happens during the phone calls that he's taken from the audience, and I used to hate it when this happened. Could I have your autograph, please, David? I used to hate it when people asked for that. It always felt so awkward. It happened several times in the show, and they're just like, yeah, it yeah, does. we'll sort that out. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I, you know, of course we will, mate. Yeah. It makes the kids sound ungrateful. Listen, you're on the telephone. What more do you want? <laughs> they want an autograph. That's what more they want. Yeah, well, another highlight of this was that they mentioned the brown sauce record. They do, they do. And they say that the band split. Blah blah blah. There's, there's kind of this little mystique around it, and that um, two of the members, i.e., Chegwin and Philbin, have gone off on their own, and they've called themselves the Saucers. I like that. Nice bit of wordplay. I like that. Nice bit of wordplay. And, well, Ken, can we have a clip? Now, I do think, unlike I Want to Be a Winner which was done with a bit tongue-in-cheek, I think they're serious here. You know what? I'd really like to slag this off, but the worst thing I can say about it is how fucking grindingly average it is. Utterly devoid of identity, which is why you you know it is, because they're trying to take it seriously. That's not what's needed, really, lads. It's got an identity, and that is, I don't want to be a... I just want to be a winner, um, because it could be exactly the same song. Good Lord, the similarities <laughs> are uncanny. I've done, a, I've done a bit of digging, and following this song, they released another one. I love a girl and she loves me 
It was all going on, wasn't it? It was it was really all going on. It was like Motown. <laughs> Another character that we meet is Lamb. Yeah, what's going on here? It they kind of go into the origin of it. It was a it was a toy that was given to John Craven and they thought, Oh, we'll do something with this. And um yeah, one of the BBC crew, they they ripped the stuffing out of it and turned it into a puppet, and they just decided to include it on the show. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, you get to the end of the segment, and it's absolutely just setting fire to the thing in front of kids' eyes. I know, yeah, that everyone, I know that everyone knows it's a puppet. I don't need to see John Craven elbow deep in it. Yes, yes, this. Oh. Uh-huh. Really? Uh, anyway, they redeem this by showing one of my favourite sketches that they did, little mock sketches, and that was the uh, the Star Trek parody that they did years ago. Was the full sketch better than that clip that we get? That was the full sketch, I think. I'm always really on edge when it comes to parodies. Mm-hmm. It, do you know what I mean? It's like it's got to come from such a place of love, otherwise it's just lazy piss take, and, and this just felt, yeah, no. Nah. The only reason I like it is because they made such a big deal of the fact that Craven looks like Leonard Nimoy. That's, that's, the, on- that's the only thing they've got, though. Yeah, that's it literally it. Really it. <laughs> like the rest, the rest of it doesn't really hold up to that. But off you go, go on, whatever. It's yeah, not even yeah. like Star Trek is my flag to wave, but I do respect the fuck out of it. That's why this makes me uneasy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, um, because the last twenty minutes of the show has has revolved around Craven. Um, he gets to offer a swap, and right on brand for this year, he's offering a CB radio. Yeah, and a set of and a set of books on CB radios. And you're like, yeah, okay. Encouraging talking to strangers. Okay, John. And then we meet uh, a gentleman by the name of Jason Belln, who apparently is always outside of TV centre. Good Lord. They don't give Jason a microphone while he's in studio, of course. And I can't hear a word that the lad's saying because he's mortified that he's there. Uh Um, But he collects autographs and he just stands. Yeah, he's basically been hanging around by uh, by the security gate a television centre, waiting for people to come out. And I'm assuming it's the bit where, like, they have to wait before the barrier goes up. He's, yeah, that's right. Boom, he's in there. Please, can I have your autograph? And, yeah, he's, yeah. Got, he's got fucking hundreds. Did you see, Did you hear who was the first autograph he got? Well, well, you mean the first one he had that he didn't get? The, the, no, 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 no. The first autograph that he ever managed to acquire was Queenie Watts from the ITV sitcom Yus, My Dear, with Arthur Mullard and Mike Reed. OK. Fair? Yeah. What a fucking odd choice. Never mind. <laughs> His only redeeming feature is when he, we were flicking through the album and we got a shot of some of them, and there it is, in its glory. He's got an autograph from Cleo Lane and Johnny Dankworth. Do you know what I mean? This would be the first page I went to. Every time. And he says he's got 15 autographs of Maggie Philbin. <laughs> you know. Because she's, she's about to sign an autograph for him. Oh, it's all right, I've got 15 of yours. The what now? <laughs> Fair play to them, though. They give them a book of signatures that they've been collecting as the celebs have been in over the last couple of years. Cracking. Because, you know, that. they give some of these away as, like, prizes anyway, and I think that shit has either got to be worth a lot of money now or yep. utterly worthless. Because Edmunds doesn't name anyone who's in there. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. So it's That's probably true. the cleaning staff, you know. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we meet somebody who is the f- who was the first ever caller on the telephone on Swap Shop, Russell. Is this the one who gives the worst, absolute fucking worst scripted thank you call that has ever happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all right, though. Things are turned around because, uh, like a drunk uncle at Christmas, Barry Took walks on set. <laughs> Look at him, my notes. He just staggers on. Barry Took. I'm just like, yes, we're safe. He's pissed. Here we go. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely acting like he's pissed from the night before. Yeah. He always used to be on Swap Shop. He used to, you know, because at the time he was doing bits and pieces, but he did uh, points of view. Yeah, yeah, that's what basically that was like my first way of getting to meet the Turkster. Yeah. He's meant to be reading out these kind of letters of complaint, which is supposed to lighten the mood because they're complaining about him taking the piss out of Barry Manilow. That's Instead, right. it just brings the whole show to a grinding halt. Doesn't it? And to Barry Tuck, he knows his comedy. Yeah, yeah. Not today. And then they give him a, a pile a, as thick as the phone book for him to read some shit jokes from viewers for far too yeah. long. Oh, isn't it? Anyway, fear not, because to save the day, our star guest appears yes. in the form of Dame yes. Penelope Keith. Yes, Petty Keith. I do love that they refer to her as Petty Keith. Yeah, I do as well. 
Even she refers to herself as Penny. This is she absolutely does. fantastic. She, she reads the Swap Shop Top 10. Now, I, I've got the notes. I've got the list here. Let's do this. See if you can spot a theme for me. So, as we heard before, we've got Catherine. She's got size 4 ice skates. She wants a World Atlas. Ah. We've already picked the holes in that one. Um, we've got a one from James. He's got a Logic 5 electronic game. Yes. He wants anything to do with West Bromwich Albion. That's right. Okay, fine, right. Uh, we've got Ian. He's got two walkie-talkies. He wants a Star Wars Destroyer set. Now, now, one, I fucking love how disconcerted Penny Keith is at having to say the word Star Wars Destroyer set. Correct. It, it's like she's never even considered that the words could form in That's the right. sequence. She's like, what, 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 what is this? Penelope, sit down. I'm going to show you Star Wars. Anyway. Yeah. We've got Richard. He's got a Merlin electronic game. He wants any Atari cartridge. So he's been bought the wrong thing for Christmas. That's fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got a one from Darren. He's got the Treasure of the Pharaohs game. I don't know if that's a board game or electronic, but he wants, and I quote, Queen Tape. <laughs> I'm assuming he means the pop band rather than Her Majesty, but fuck it, either or. If you leave yourself open like that, mate, you can't be disappointed. There we go. That's right. Got a one from Sasha. She's got a Galaxian Space Invader game. She wants a calculator watch. She's got a very practical head in her, like that. Yeah, yeah. Another one that we had before, Warren. He's got the Scale Electric 300 with, with the cars. Wants anything to do with snooker. Yep, he's fucking hopeful. He's thinking he's going to get a table. Is he fuck? Kelly's got a, cuddle, a cuddly basil brush and wants, and I quote, anything. Now, in 1982, if that's genuine branded basil brush, right, that's not going to be shit. But she, she says she wants anything. Is the basil brush fucking haunted or something? <laughs> yes. Jesus, right? Okay, just, just get it out of my house. Um, yeah. I don't think Samantha knows how this works. She's got a tomahawk bike. She wants some Cindy clothes and furniture. I yeah. don't know how many outfits and furniture she wants for her Cindy that's worth a fucking bike. She might be a bit big for it, but what? She wants furniture for her house, right. not Cindy. Right, right. Um, and Stuart, he's got the Stay Alive game and some Human League and Gary Newman LPs and wants anything. So, so again, that's it. It's just like, look, I've got these... I've got some records of electronic music that I got for Christmas. They're shit. I don't know what Stay Alive is. I just want them out of the house. Would you please offer me literally a punch in the mouth for these and you'll have them? I would tur- I would go the opposite way and I would turn up with a JCB digger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to recap on all of these, uh, it's called the Swap Shop Top 10 because they do indeed play that week's Top 10 uh, as we yeah. go back over the camera, panning down the charts. And lo and behold, what's number one that week? It's Seven Tears by the Goombe Dance Band. <laughs> Superb. Glorious. And indeed, I have the seven-inch single of this in my record collection. Nice. Uh, a, a note to the listener, do not listen to the B-side. <laughs> they go through the top ten. Long, lingering shots of each one of those. Yep. Uh, individually. So that, so, that, so that presumably the kids at home can sit there staring at the telly going, hang on a minute, I've got... A, I've, uh, upstairs, I've got a Star Wars Destroyer set that I don't want in 1982, and I've been wondering... Uh-huh how I was ever going to get my hands on a pair of walkie-talkies. I think the stars might be aligning for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they've yeah. got to go upstairs, convince their parents that any of this is a good idea. And they're like, you got the Star Destroyer at Christmas. It's only March, you ungrateful little shit. I tell you what, uh-huh. I'll phone Noel Edmonds now and I'll tell him that Ian can fucking whistle. So- yes, yes. <laughs> so so here's, here's the deal, right? Ian, Ian Cheney, if you're listening, and we know you probably are, did you ever get your Star Destroyer playset? And... Is it as fucking cool as it looks? Because that's one of the ones I never had as a kid. I certainly can't splash out for a vintage one of these days. I suspect that you've had to do that eventually. Do let us know. PeggyMoundPod at gmail.com. We would love to talk to you about it. Also, I want to know more about these walkie-talkies that we're happy to give away for it, because I bet they were shit. Come on. <laughs> anyway, um, we, we, we zip across to uh, an interview with Penny Keith. Indeed we do. And she's forced to eat some of that kipper pate. This is, this is the thing, mind. Delilah Smythe is wondering why people aren't tucking into her kipper pate on a Saturday morning. Because it looks like fucking dog shit. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there feeling like Finn Bar Saunders. (laughs) Penny's good on the phones, mind, isn't she? 
she's great on the phone. And I'll tell you what as well, um, the calls are coming through thick and fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a nice little segment, I have to say. She's very relaxed about it. This is the thing. She's like succinct, but friendly, charming. Mm-hmm. You know, keeps yep. sort of flipping the questions back round. Oh, well, you know, what's what's your favourite? Da, 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 da. Never in a kind of a, a, a brush-off way. It always feels like she's interested. All of this is even more of an achievement because, yeah, those questions are dull as fuck. Yeah. What was your favourite episode on The Man of Born? Well, the one, I tell you what, the one I got paid for. All right, all of them. <laughs> and then, yeah, they go to a clip. They show three fucking minutes of t- to The Man of Born. Yeah, they do. Are they that <laughs> short of content? Filler. Who am I kidding? You know what? At this point, we're ten minutes from the end. They've been nothing fucking but short of content. But, again, that, that free son of chaos that's that's there. I'm, I'm riding that. I love it. Well, after this, they cut to a video from Olivia Newton-John. And you're like, no, no, no. It's nine minutes before the end of the final episode of your flagship show. Do you not have things you need to be saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of, here's a pop video. What the fuck? That was ill-timed. I think what they were doing, that was there so that they could uh, get everyone ready for the last few minutes, I think. Okay. A little bit of a a roll call as they cut to scene. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think that's all that was. Um, And indeed, we do reach the end, and there's a lot of wrap-up stories, a lot of memories. Um, One thing, fucking Stilgo. Who cast that spell? This is the thing, that's precisely it. They wheel Richard Stilgo onto the set to do a witty song. And, you know, I'll just refer you to my earlier comment about burning the set to the ground the minute the cameras are clear. Yes, yes. And I'll tell you more proof, actually, uh, that that was going to happen. Matt Irvin comes in with a cake. Matt Irvin famous BBC special effects guy, he's waiting with a detonator. <laughs> That's why he's there. Oh, after that exhausting two and a half hours, or what feels like five, um, all that remains is for me to ask you, Blackout, how many pegs would you clip to the cable of Noel's trim phone? Well, there is always going to be a place in my heart for the multicoloured swap shop. But this particular show is remarkably dull. <laughs> it's one hour of programming stretched out over three in the schedule, fizzling out to precisely no fanfare. I've got to hand it to Edmonds for keeping this running so long because it's clear that the suits upstairs didn't even know this is on air. Six out of nine, and that's the goodwill of nostalgia talking. What about yourself? Again, I repeat, I was riding on the free son of chaos. This did seem like the last day of term, the last day of work before the holidays. And the regular uh, structure was just completely out of the window. I enjoyed that. Nine pegs, because Swap Shop was pioneering and magnificent. But the question, the, the question that we're getting, we're getting letters in, uh, and when people aren't trying to flog off their old tat in exchange for something they're clearly not going to get, they want to know how many steps it will take you to yodel up the mountain. Well, I can do it in two. Swap Shops is presented, if that's the word, by Noel Edmonds, who cropped up in a 1993 episode of The Detectives, along with George Sewell, who way back in 1976 inhabited one of Bob Monkhouse's celebrity squares in the same grid as... Peggy Mount! What is today's pathetic excuse? Nicely done. Thank you, thank you. And yourself? Step for step, do it and see. The Swap Shop features none other than Keith Chegwin, who starred in a couple of 1975 episodes of The Tomorrow People, alongside Philip Gilbert, who also turned up in an episode of George and the Dragon, cowering from... Peggy Mount. You didn't give them Epsom salts again. Superb. Superb. Oh, right. We can't dawdle, um, because it's not our last episode, which means it's competition time. Oh, yes. And here is your question. Remember, of course, to keep filling in your answer sheets, your Peggy Mount Calamity Hour answer sheet, available as a PDF from PeggyMountPod.com. Here is your question. Swap Shop's famous phone number was engraved into the memory of its regular viewers, 018118055. 
But what was the fax number? There you go. That's your question. That is your question. Bit Boom. of research needed on that one. Huh? <laughs> Bit of research needed there. There you go. Uh, right. We leave you, lovely listener, to think about what you'd swap if you were in the shop while we watch the things. me taking my third curtain call at the Alhambra Bradford. Sit! They loved me. Oh, sorry. I thought this was the party. This is the party. Oh. Right. Who's for Atari? <laughs> What's more, it's my party. Music hall's dead sunshine. Pac-Man, Missile Command, Super Breakout. That's where the action is. All linked up, young man? Just a moment. <laughs> right. Anyone for Haunted House? <laughs> You have to be fast on your feet for this end. Oh, don't say that. I want to show you who's tap dancing next. Atari. Simply more fun and games. Grandy. Yeah? Oh, my sweets. See if you can answer this riddle. Riddle? What's slim and handsome? Mm-hmm. Ever so masculine. Mm-hmm. Terrifically dashing. Mm. Easily set on fire. Now, no need to go any further. Obviously, it's a Grandy cigar. <laughs> Obviously. And obviously, she'll have to go. There's nothing as grand as a grandee. Hey, an unexpected scene, so get busy with the fizzy with soda streams. Big or small, get busy with the fizzy, short or tall. Crave a fizzy flavor with water from the tap. Press the magic button, shake it, just hold on. Mix a little mixer, add a little dash. No trouble with the bubbles, splash a little splash. More of the beautiful things, more things. Ah, gives me such a calming, calming sense around me when I see the things. I hope you're going to keep these things and not be phoning up to ask for something else. I'm pleased you mentioned the phone because there it is again. Again. You know. Hello, Ken? Ken? Ken, it's Mick from the bus. Listen, Ken, I need you to come and help. I'm locked in the toilet. You're going to budge. I've tried all sorts. I've been phoning through to the bar, but they're not picking up. I don't shout for help when anybody comes in in case it's Brian Fingers. So I need you to come round and let us out. Better bring your rubber gloves, mate. It's a bit slippy in here. Oh, God, not again. <laughs> Deny no knowledge of that. Yep. Yep. On to tonight's second episode for review. And we switch from Saturday mornings to Saturday tea time. And a buddy cop show that couldn't embrace the culture zeitgeist of its time with any more intensity. If there's something fishy going on around you, you need to call on the chips. Chips was an action-adventure buddy cop motorcycle drama comedy romp created in 1977 by Rick Rosner for MGM Television, running for 139 episodes over six seasons. The series centres around two members of the California Highway Patrol Police Force, Frank Ken Poncherello, played by Eric Estrada, and John Kenneth Baker, brought to the screen by Larry Wilcox. Audiences spent hours with the pair, as this was as much a proto-meta-deconstruction of male bonding as it was about modern law enforcement in an increasingly self-centred capitalist society. We've watched an episode from the third season, Roller Disco Part 2, written by Rupert Borshit and Rick Rosner, directed by Dino Weiss, which is about roller skates and the women in bikinis who wear them. This went out in the UK on Saturday the 10th of May 1980 at 6.30 in the evening, when, coincidentally, all of the dads would be watching. Boom, boom, boom.
yes. Yes, yes, yes. This was your thing, wasn't it? I liked it. I liked it. Uh, not as much as Starsky Nudge, but right. I did like it. I, yeah. I did enjoy it over the Saturday tea times. Yes, absolutely. Uh, used to be on, if I remember rightly, um, sort of summary time. Doctor Who had finished for the year, um, so I could watch ITV, and this was on. So, yeah, all Fair. good. All good. Always reminds me of summer evenings uh, when I watch Chips, yes. These two episodes, mm. obviously, you know, we're focusing on part two, but these two episodes yep. are particularly just the embodiment of summer. My God. Yes. Everything about it. Summer in the 70s. Yeah. Specifically. And a late 70s, certainly. Um, in, I mean, you mentioned this is part two. If we needed to have a recap uh, about what happens in part one, we get one. Uh, with the first 10 minutes of this show. Good Lord. See, yeah, I'm not saying there's far too much random shit going on in Roller Disco. But yeah, they're previously in the last episode flashback. By the time you do the title sequence, credits are still fucking rolling nine minutes in, mind. Yep. It would actually be easier if they'd said, if you missed part one, go and watch it now. Tighten it up. Tighten it up. Anyway, we reconvene into the main episode. You, um, you know why they're called chips, don't you? Do you know what? No. Because the California Police Department pays so poorly that they both had to take out weekend jobs with auto glass. Right. Is that something that you've picked up with your knowledge over the years, or is that mentioned in um, one of the episodes? All I'm saying is, it's true that you can look it up. Right, right. That's, that's, that's answered. Good, good. Yes, our our heroes, the John and the Ponch, are at Santa Monica Beach. Mm-hmm. And they're dressed casually and in the fashion, with denim slacks. Yes. Some would yes. call some would call it a jean, uh, and a Hawaiian print shirt. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm here for this. It's yeah. um, it's night time at the start of this episode, so instead mm-hmm. of the women on roller skates wearing bikinis by the beach, they're um, yeah, they're all rehearsing for Ponch's disco wearing hot pants instead. Yeah. Yeah. I've got are. to say, as much fun as this duology is. I, for one, do not give a fuck about the social events calendar of the LAPD. I don't know why it's so important that we're seeing it play out in real time. I know what you're saying. Um, Thing is, we're into season three. We're about 50 episodes down the line of this programme. They've run out of crimes to to do. You know what I mean? They're they're limited in terms of crime. Two blokes on motorbikes, it's not as easy as two blokes in a car. Let's just put a dance on at the hall. That's essentially what's happening here. It seems to be Um, the case. Yeah. Yeah, and we do indeed. We cut to the rehearsals for for a beauty pageant. Yeah, one one minute it's going to be like a oh a roller disco charity event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next minute is yeah, there's going to be a beauty contest as well. And you're like, what? Where did That's this right. come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just suddenly out of nowhere. Great excuse for it though, because we get an incidental score with this kind of thing going on. This is incredible. This is the second song we've had since the episode began three minutes ago. It is glorious, yes. It's like a musical, this. It's like a musical. I have to say, though, the acting in the last ten minutes of the episode, as in the the previous ten minutes that we've just seen, has been nothing short of a disgrace to the art. (laughs) But but I don't mind because the punch is on the roller skates. Yes. He knows how how to work them, doesn't he? He knows how to stay upright, I'll give him that, yeah. Can you roller skate, by the way? Oh, nowhere near as well as anyone in this, but, you know, it doesn't mean I'm going to, like, forward all over them. <laughs> I could I could never do it, me. Right. But th- this has whetted my appetite. Well, it's hot enough, out. It is. Yeah, so I might just give it a go. Anyway, more on that later. Speaking of hot, the next day, we're mm. in John's apartment. Leaf Garrett's there. Recuperating on John's sofa. He- he's wearing a mustard yellow dressing gown. That looks like a fucking padded trench coat. It's yes. 40 degrees outside. What's up with this guy's metabolism? <laughs> I know. Good God. Well, not just that. It's a beautiful, tranquil little scene. Mate, what a beautiful 1978-style apartment that John has. Uh-huh. Wood forever, or wood finish forever. This tranquility is soon disrupted by Jimmy's rock and roll disco tech equipment. That's right. He's having all of the gear delivered. 
I fail to see the relevance in this scene at all. <laughs> I fail to see the relevance in this whole fucking storyline. I'm not giving well, a fuck about it. Was, yeah. <laughs> we'll get onto it later when it really sort of picks up as the wrong word, but you're just like, where is, where is this going? He's invited a guy to live in his apartment, and then he, John, Larry Chips, he's complained about things being weird. Oh, okay, mate. Yeah. You invite a, a globally famous rock star to kip on your sofa, it's going to go crackers-like. Good Lord. You know. Anyway, as mentioned in the, the episode's recap, there are two nasty men in the car. Yes, we're, we're back with the redneck twins in their Sparksmobile. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the tailgate twins. They're a very vengeful traffic duo. You know what? Credit where it's due, this strand makes zero fucking sense. But it is precisely the kind of thing that two highway patrol officers should be spending 50 minutes investigating. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> Cue car chase. I love how insane the soundtrack goes at this point. It, it goes absolutely fucking mental. It's it, this is what you need. This is what you need. Mm. But then, two minutes mm. later, yeah, they've been they've been arrested by the chips. Mm-hmm. So that storyline's over, and we're not going to see the highway again in this episode. No, no, we're not. We're that not. was that. It's it's as if they've been banned by the local council. You're not filming here today. We've got things on. <laughs> yeah, but in case we've been missing missing events that have been occurring in John's apartment, we could back to that. A little interesting bit of dialogue here. So Leif Garrett, the rock star, Jimmy, he's using John's phone. John's mm-hmm. not John's not happy about it because the phone's constantly ringing because it's all of the rock and roll people who are ringing Jimmy up. That's right, yes. And the phone rings and he says, well, who is that? Well, it's a call I made to London. And we end the scene with Leif looking wistfully as he picks up the phone and goes, hello, London? What? You know, as you would, yeah. Every, everyone in London makes phone calls by saying, hello, this is London here. <laughs> it's like, hello, hello. <laughs> I like that Jimmy has set up the shittest home studio ever? in John's apartment that you've ever fucking seen. There's no soundproofing. There's just ten microphones and cables everywhere. No wonder he needs a fucking manager. Right. Mind, if I'd been writing this programme, uh-huh. I'd have done an episode where they have to solve a crime on a ranch and they end up wearing those leather trousers with no arse in and I'd have called it Chaps. Right. So, yeah, um, you mentioned um, Jimmy's manager. Uh, we cut to a scene in his apartment. His mm-hmm. office, rather, his office. Um, more filler, quite frankly. Yeah, this is like Punch, round there, complaining that he can't get any celebs for his due. Yeah. Because he said to Balford, the manager, he's like, here, you know famous people. I'm trying to organise a thing. Get me famous people. And he's just like, yeah, all right, I'll try. He's got all the famous people said no. Balford's like, fuck is that got to do with me? Yeah. Honestly, I'm having a fucking breakdown here. When is the script going to address the fact that Balford is clearly fucking in love with Jimmy? Yeah. It's not even subtext. It's, he's basically drawn fucking hearts on a photo. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yes. Good Lord. I will say, actually, Leif Garrett's acting in this is way better than his performance in TV's Wonder Woman that okay, he was on um, a year earlier. He played as him and his own twin... Um, and, uh, yeah, it was diabolical, but, um... Oh, see, I'm going to have to investigate that now, because that sounds horrifically bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, to the point where is. I need to watch it. That's right. Anyway, we get out of that apartment, and we're back a la beach, and the kid from part one is out on the roller skates. Of course he is. Everybody is. Uh-huh. Um, mind, there's people all over the gaff, and they're all wearing those knee-high socks... Yep, and I, and I know it was the fashion, but they're not flattering mind. They're not. <laughs> they look awful. Anyway, the kid spies the people who were robbing the people. Yeah, we're back with the theft gang now, aren't we? We got we um, are. Fred Williamson and Jim Brown. As actors, they are fucking way overqualified for these roles. <laughs> they're both playing the stupid one somehow. Yep. Um Now, it hasn't really been again. It hasn't really been addressed here. They've got this thing going where 
they do a bit of a robbery, and then they go away on roller skates, and everyone yeah. is completely dumbfounded by this, despite right. everyone on the fucking promenade being on roller skates. It's not an unusual thing. Roller skating is not faster than just sprinting. And as we see, it gives you far less agility in terms of changing direction and stopping. Their entire business model here is fucking bullshit. Credit where credit's due. If I was going to rob a bank, it's going to be wearing a pair of espadrilles with concealed rollers. This is this is the thing, mind. After, you know, after what I'd said earlier, yeah. leader has decided to rob the bank after all. Espadrilles with a wheelie heel in. Amazing. Huh? If only the actors could roller skate as well as their characters are supposed to be able to, though. <laughs> Yeah, that would be nice. Fucking Bambi um, on ice. John Chips decides to chase after her two accomplices hanging around outside the bank. Despite neither of them carrying anything, ergo they haven't robbed the fucking bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leah, Leah skates off around the streets with the cash in like a sort of a black satchel, spangs into a patrol car randomly and is arrested. This is the only actual police work we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's far more efficient than anything either of the Chipses are doing. Fred Williamson, he goes off down a canal path, has this fucking batshit idea about swinging over the water on a length of rope. Uh, yes, what, where's that what, come what from? What the fuck is going on here? So he's arrested by Punch with minimal fucking effort when he just falls into the water. Yep. And then John catches the Jim Brown robber who's literally sitting down hiding behind a newspaper. Yes. <laughs> Under a that tree. Is, that is that storyline wrapped up. Boom. Yep. Oh, mind. And of course it is. They need to wrap everything up very, very quickly for the ending. All I'm saying is, if I'd been writing this programme, I'd have done an episode where they have to solve a crime in a pork processing factory, and I'd have called it Chops. Right. Anyway, let's trot on to the ending. Never, never, up until this point on television, had there been a final 15 minutes like this. Now, what's going on here? We've got, we've wrapped up the other storylines. We've only got Leaf Garrett and his um, manager's unrequited love thing going on. Yep. Well, and obviously, I tell you, we haven't only got that. We've got the roller disco, the very point of this uh, this duology of episodes. And it is just this excuse to get famous people on screen, isn't it? You you explained this to me off mic before we watched these. It's NBC basically rolling out their showcase for that season. By just going, look who we know, look who we have on the books, is that it? Pretty much. They may wear, it may as well all been wearing a T-shirt with NBC on. So I know who Lee Merriweather, Cindy Williams, George Peppard and Antonio Fargas are. Oh, and um, Richard Paul, who's the mayor from Murder, She Wrote. After yep. that, it's just a massive fucking list of people I've never heard of. Melissa Sue Anderson is from Little House on the Prairie. Right. Todd Bridges, he's from Different Strokes. Who are you talking about, Willis? He's Willis. As well as Dana Plato, she played their sister in Different Strokes. George Papard, of course. Richard Hatch is there, although we don't see him, but his name is mentioned. I saw him listed in the IMDb, but I didn't clock him on screen, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Michael Cole is there. We should say, uh, dear listener, it's if, if you wonder why we're just rhyming off names, this is what the episode does? Yes, for the for ten minutes solid, this is what the episode does. It's just people roller skating around in a big circle, while one of the policemen up on the up on the microphone in the DJ booth just reads out their names. Yeah, in a in a in a contextual like, oh look who we've got now, look who's spinning around now. It's Lee Mer- Merriweather. All of this going on. Do you know and what I mean? Ten minutes. Victor French is there. Victor French from Little House on the Prairie and Highway to Heaven. He's not wearing roller skates. He's wearing a beautiful pair of beige slacks. <laughs> There's a few of them in here that like, clearly can't roller skate. They've turned up on the night and they're like, get them wheels on. I'm not doing that. I'll fall over and break my arm. Get them fucking wheels on. I can't, can I not just like mince along? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll shoot you from the knees up and no one will be fucking fooled. How's that sound? Yeah, all right, let's do that. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of that here. But yeah, this is, this is how the story is wrapped up with a load of famous people being wheeled out. I don't know who... Earl Holloman is, but every time I see him, he reminds me of Terry Scott. That's good yeah. enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So essentially what we have is a female roller skater beauty pageant with a lot of NBC station celebs. Um, right. That's what we've got. And then we get Leif Garrett performing, of course. And he did yes. release this as a single. It's it's out on his album. Um, and it's this. <laughs>
this has already been hammered in earlier in the episode. They, they sort of cue up the audience for, you remember this song that Leif Garrett did? You're going to be hearing it again in a bit. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And there seems to be a trend with this, with Leif Garrett. Every time he's got a new single to be released, it gets featured in a programme that he happens to be starring in around that time, which I guess is fair, but yeah. Now, you see, I wasn't really familiar with him. Mm-hmm. I sort of know him as a face from being in things that I'd never seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd thought his look in this, it suggested to me that he was going to be like the network TV-friendly, acceptable face of the late 70s heavy metal hard rock punk. Right. No, this this music starts, it's like being trapped in a lift. This is the blandest shite you've ever heard. Is this what he does? Does it, well... I was made for dancing wasn't bad, but this, well, it, uh, it, it, put it this way, he's released worse. Um, so this is up there, really. Dear Lord. It, it, ironically, the track is called Give In, and most of the people in that room wished he would. <laughs> oh, did you notice the guy with the paper bag on his head? He's in the background for three yes. seconds, and yes. then later is- he crops up, he's in the foreground. I-, I thought I'd hallucinated it, but yes. This is clearly a ridiculous cameo, and I just wonder who it is under that. Right. I think it's some Hollywood A-lister. I really do. So they've filmed a scene where they take the bag off and go, Dad, look, it's me. And then they go, no, we're not using that. I, I, I bet it was Jack Nicholson pissed. <laughs> I'd love to think it was. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, This. how is this Skate with the Stars? How is it like a charity spectacular when the only people there are the police staff and the celebrities? Yeah. Aren't the public we, meant to be there to actually throw in some of the money that they're meant to be raising? Well, they're meant to be skating with the stars. Um, I There's don't no know. fucking room on There's the not. rink for any of the public. <laughs> there really isn't. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's fucking beautiful. Mind, if I'd been writing this programme, I'd have done an episode where they sit in a tree for an hour eating worms, and I'd have called it Chirps. So then Jimmy's manager turns up. He does. Frank Belford. He turns up after the roller disco... After the beauty contest and halfway through the music set. I mean, why fucking bother? You wouldn't put your coat on, would you? You know what I mean? <laughs> no way. This, they get this, like, makeup scene. And it is vomit-inducing. Yeah, I thought there was going to be a little twist here. And this is where they're both going to get stung for dealing. But no. They no. literally just get this happy ever after, start holding hands. And you're like, mate. <laughs> yeah. Saccharin, with an amazing soundtrack though on top of it. But oh, yeah, glorious, absolutely glorious. Yeah. All right. How many pegs would you clip onto the back of a lycra jacket, as it's worn by an NBC celebrity, whizzing past on the roller skates? Blackout. Well, I think what I like most about this episode of Chips is that it actually got made. That anyone at NBC read the script and decided it was ready to go to production. Nothing happens all over the place for far too long, and then it ends while we watch the staff party being filmed. This is insane, but with a momentous soundtrack all round. Eight out of nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to say, I am absolutely with you. This episode is quite simply about a day out followed by a night out. It's fucking mint. The soundtrack is incredible. There's there's little in it in terms of narrative, of course. To warrant one episode, never mind a two-parter. Two marks extra for everything associated with rollerblading and the incredible final insane 15 minutes, eight out of nine. Fair. But blackout, the question on Antonio Fargas's lips as he wheels on over to ask how does he get out because he's late for the next shoot on Starsky and Hutch is how many circles around the roller rink will it take you to skate up the mountain? I can do it in as many roller skates as I'd need to wear to commit a felony. Tucking into his chips here is Leif Garrett, who appeared in 1978's Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, along with Donald Pleasance, who once murdered a robot because Ray Bradbury told him to when he got sent right down by Peggy Mount. The window cleaner was livid that time. Yes. Yes. But come on, don't just sit there like a spare wheel at the NBC summer party. Would you join me? Oh, I will, and I'll get there quicker than you. (laughs) 
Long after he had his chips, Larry Wilcox moved to the other side of the camera and was a producer on the Ray Bradbury Theatre, one notably judgmental episode of which gave star billing to... Peggy Moe! It was four adults only. Nice. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Oh, Whoa. yes. Oh. There we are. Can't rest, though. Can't rest. Can't put the brakes on me skates yet because it's competition time, Blackout. It Final is. question for this episode. Here we go. So, your question is... In an equally famous scene from a different episode of Chips, Peaks and Valleys, Eric Estrada is seen disco dancing with great style and finesse. What colour are his slacks? So, there you go. That's your question. That's your question. And... What am I doing now? I'll tell you what I'm going to do now. I'm genuinely off to buy some roller boots and a Leaf Garrett T-shirt. In the meantime, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thank you once again for rolling with us. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com. We are PeggyMountPod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Instagram gets the sneak peeks. Five-star ratings and reviews are always welcome on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to us. Or why not just shout, play the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour into the smart speaker of someone you don't know. Don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com to check out the show notes for this and for all of our other episodes. It's as simple as that. It really, really is. Right. More of the same next week, only different. Until then, from the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, keep pegging. Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Alright, Chips Boy, steamed vocals, take five. Here come the chips boys with the talking potatoes. Here come the chips boys.